Hey, Bugsy, you hear the news about Vinny? Yeah, it's a real shame he owed money to the IRS and they finally caught up with him. Just like Al Capone. If the IRS can get to Capone, imagine what they can do to little old Vinny, huh? Poor cat, he was on top of the world, then bada-boom, bada-bing. What Vinny needs now is an offer he can't refuse. Hey, you got a tax problem? Does the IRS claim you owe them a bunch of dough? They can get you too. So call the tax relief line now and learn if you qualify to negotiate your $10,000 plus IRS tax debt for up to a 75% savings. Don't be like Al or Vinny and get busted. Make this free call now. Learn how you may be able to pay the IRS less. Call now. 866-657-8517. 866 866- 657-8517. That's 866-657-8517. The views and opinions expressed in the following program are those of the program's participants and do not necessarily reflect those of station staff, management, and advertisers. They were there when history was made. One second left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! Inside the 20. Touchdown! A raconteur is a storyteller. Welcome to the Sports Raconteurs. And with two out, you talk about a roll of the dice. This is it. Lewis gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! The sports raconteurs dust off the great American art of storytelling. From the players, coaches, media, the people who were there. Smith courts one in the right down the line. It may go. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. It's a home run. Go crazy. Now, here's Stephen Maggi. Welcome to Sports Rockin' Tours, the show that presents the observations, recollections, and memories of a select group of storytellers who represent the past half-century or so of American sports. There's not a lot of talk about the Winter Olympics this year for a number of reasons. As far as the hockey competition goes, part of the reason for the lack of interest is that the NHL is not participating this year. Yet in 1980, there was no NHL involvement. But that was the most exciting Olympic tournament of all, featuring a group of unknown American college players against a group of pros from the Soviet Union, the greatest team in the world at that time. You know what happened, the famous Miracle on Ice game when the United States upset the USSR, a true David versus Goliath fantasy whim. Today, you will relive those incredible days with the captain of the 1980 gold medal winning U.S. team, Michael Ruzioni. Also on the show today, we will introduce our newest regular, Lady D, the proprietor of Betting in Heels. Have you ever been involved with a miracle? Have you seen a miracle? Well, if you're a sports fan, when you hear the word miracle, you're thinking 1980 United States Olympic hockey team. No question about it. And we've got the captain of that team with us, Mikey Ruzioni, who is the author of a great book you need to read. And we're going to talk about that in detail. It's called The Making of a Miracle, The Untold Story of the Captain of the 1980 Gold Medal Winning U.S. Olympic Hockey Team. Mike, what a moment, you know, beating the Soviet Union and so forth. 
when it happened, what did it mean to you? What, were you, what was going on in your head? Because I got to think at that time, you probably weren't thinking necessarily about world affairs and so forth, but really the idea is, my God, we beat the Russians. Yeah, you know, I mean, we went into the Olympic Games uh, with the hope and dreams of winning a medal. We didn't know what was going to happen. And I hate to be cliche, cliche but uh, it really was one game at a time. And, and that's how we approach things. And next thing you knew, we were in a position to, to play for a medal. And that was, you know, beating the Soviets and then beating Finland on Sunday. So, you know, you're kind of in a little cocoon out there in Lake Placid. We had no idea the world was watching. I mean, we were clueless. Uh, regarding that. Uh, we weren't allowed to talk to the media, so we didn't know what was being written or said about us. Uh, we were just kind of just playing hockey. And then then when it ended and, and you know, we got out into the countryside and realized, what, wow, this, this thing was pretty big. So we, we, were, we were totally surprised by the reaction that uh, the country and the world had. Well, I remember when it happened, and I was a big hockey fan going into it, so I was just kind of curious what was going to happen. Then I remember you beat Czechoslovakia, and I go, wow, that's really something. i got to keep an eye on it. And it was fun to watch friends and so forth get into it as it went along. And then the, the game with Russia, everybody expected the, the big, huge defeat. You know, how bad is it going to be? Can they at least stay close? And you guys became folk heroes after that. And I guess to be captain of that team, that's got to be particularly an honor because captain's a big deal in the world of hockey. Well, you know, I, I, it was a great honor for me, but I've always said, and I've said it from day one, I was a captain amongst captains. You know, there were 20 players in that rock locker room, and, and I believe uh, 17 of them were captains of their either high school, uh, and some were even captains of their college team. So when you surround yourself with not only great players, but great people, I think it makes you appreciate uh, the fact that uh, I was in that locker room and had the honor of being a captain of that team. You grew up with a strong family. Do you think that kind of helped having that experience to go from that into this uh, amateur hockey team, that those family values sort of kick in and kind of help drive you through all this? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, that was something that my dad and mom always, and, and aunts and uncles and cousins and everybody, you know, the, that I grew up with instilled in me. You know, the work ethic that you have to have to be successful. Success doesn't come easy. You know, I saw my dad work three jobs and mother took care of six kids, so... Uh, I understood the values and important values of hard work and determination. And again, and I'll say it like I said it earlier, I was fortunate to play on a team that guys had those same kind of values. We we really were a work ethic kind of a hockey team. Herb used to call us a lunch pail and hard hat group of guys, and and that's what we were. We all came from working class families and understood the values of work and, and, and being a good teammate, being a good person. The whole story of the team is just so incredible. I mean, not only Coach Brooks, but the kind of mismatched team that was put together. They turned out to be this great team. You know, as this has gone on and the myth has grown and the uh, kind of the fantasy of this has uh, kind of taken over as people think about it, how has the significance of what happened then affected you? I mean, obviously, you've had, you've had people that want to hear this story for the rest of your life. It, 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 it's given me uh, opportunities to do things that I probably never would have imagined I would have been able to do. People that I've met, states that I've been to, uh, companies that I've spoken to, uh, presidents that I've met, some of the greatest athletes in the world, entertainers. Uh, I've, I've been to some amazing places, and a lot of it, a lot of it, obviously, was because of what happened in 1980. So it, it's given me an opportunity to do a lot of different things that I never would have imagined I could have done. But yet, I've pretty much still stayed focused and grounded. I, you know, I live in the hometown that I grew up in. I, my wife, uh, we have, we're celebrating our 38th wedding anniversary. Uh, we, we dated for 12 years, so I've known her since she was 15. So, you know, my, my life has changed in a lot of ways, but uh, I still think, uh, I, you know, I'm where I belong at home with my family and friends. You talk about work ethic and that kind of background. It seems like 
the team kind of had to have that to have any chance at all of going as far as you did. I mean, it, it, it only would take that, just putting together even an all-star team at that time from the NHL wouldn't necessarily have been able to do what you guys did. Yeah, and, and I, I think Herb was a big part of that as well. Uh, you know, he put this whole program together. He decided how we were going to play, when we were going to play, uh, what we were going to do. He, he picked the players. He selected the guys. He molded us into an awfully good hockey team. And, and I think that's the thing that kind of got lost a little is we, we were a lot better than people thought. And You know, we had some players that went on and had great NHL careers. So uh, although nobody looked at our team as, as being a talented team, I, I think when the smoke cleared at the end, uh, uh, we were a lot more talented than people realized. The game, the North American hockey type style of game, was a lot different than the European and Russian style, and that was part of what made Herb so special, right? He decided to attack that right from the start, so you guys maybe attacked that world stage different than any other team from the North American side would. Yeah, we, we totally changed the way we played the game. I mean, he, Herb felt we couldn't compete against the Europeans playing North American type, type of hockey, and he wanted to take a blend of the North American game and the blend of the European game and combine it. And he decided that we were going to go to Lake Placid and beat the Europeans at their own game. And, uh, you know, we were able to do that because we trained together for six months. We, you know, that style was inbred in us. We all we changed the way we played. We all played a different style of hockey when we were in college. And, and Herb had the, the brilliance of, of changing the way the game had to be played. And it's, you know, when, when I watch the NHL today, although the players are a lot more better now than they were in 1980, but we were playing the European style of hockey that you see in pro hockey today. So Herb, 40 years ago, was way ahead of the, the curve. Yeah, and did that take a, a lot of adjustment for you guys? Because you weren't used to playing that. Was it one of those things that, thank God you had all that time to be together as a team, because you couldn't have done that in a few weeks? No, you know, if we had done it like prior Olympic teams, you know, you practice for two weeks and go to the Olympic Games, it wouldn't have worked. So I think the six months really helped us. But it was amazing how quickly we picked up what he was trying to do. And part of that reason was, you know, predominantly most of the team was guys from Minnesota, and nine of them had played under Herb at the University of Minnesota. So they had known kind of how they were going to play in the style because that's what the University of Minnesota was doing back in that era. So. Uh, for, for some of us, it was a change, but it was a fun change. Change, change can be fun. Change can be exciting. And we, you know, we grabbed it right into it and enjoyed it. More with the captain of the 1980 gold medal winning U.S. Olympic hockey team, Michael Ruzioni, in just a moment. All of our interviews with some of the greats from the world of sports can be found on Apple iTunes, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to Sports Rockin' Tours with Stephen Maggi, coast to coast on the Talk Media Network. Now you can get generic Viagra shipped to your door for about $2 a pill. Get the same impact for less. Call Steel Man Pills now and get the same blue pill for about $2 a pill. Call now for the 50-pill special and save even more. Plus, get a free bonus. 800-979-4317. 800-979-4317. That's 800-979-4317. Did Louis the Coin really soak the sheets with red wine in Rome? Yes. Did he really tell a federal court after testing positive for cocaine in his 70s that he only used coke for sex? Yes. 
Well, you can get these tales and more in the great book, You Thought It Was More, Adventures of the World's Greatest Counterfeiters. It's available now at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or at LouisTheCoinBook.com. That's Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or at LouisTheCoinBook.com. Adopt U.S. Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting A Teenager Learning the Lingo GOAT, G-O-A-T, acronym, stands for Greatest of All Time, as in Spaghetti sandwiches for dinner? They're my fave. Dad, you're the GOAT. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. Visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. You hear Mr. Big every week on this show. Now Mr. Big invites you to visit him online and save some money. All his books are now on Kindle, and he's got a variety of books, fiction and nonfiction, including The Life and Times of Frank Balsteri, books on casino games, and much more. You can buy the Kindle and save even more money. Go to MilwaukeeMob.com. That's MilwaukeeMob.com. That's MilwaukeeMob.com. Okay, men, this is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this. That you're here now you're gonna go out there and be an all-star caregiver it's up to you so what are you gonna do you're gonna go grocery shopping cook clean be there emotionally and physically you gotta dig deeper drive them to physical therapy doctor's appointments don't you forget about the pharmacy i know you won't because that's what caregivers do don't give up don't ever give up this is your time to show the world, your family, and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. An adult elephant can weigh up to six tons. The average person, 150 pounds. Ever heard of carfentanil? It's a large wild animal tranquilizer. Illegal drug dealers lace heroin with it. It can kill the average human. If you or a loved one is addicted to opiates, even pain pills, don't wait until it's too late. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline now. We care. Many of us have been where you are. We'll take you or a loved one away from the drug environment to a place you can clean out safely. Plus, we'll work with your insurance company to make sure you get the treatment you need. And with a Family Medical Leave Act, you're allowed by law to get away for help without telling your employer why. Call now to save a life. 877-927-3380. 877-927-3380. That's 877-927-3380. This is Sports Rocket Tours on Talk Media Network. Now, here again, Stephen Maggi. We are back with Michael Ruzioni, the captain of the 1980 U.S. men's Olympic hockey team, on the 42nd anniversary of that historic Miracle on Ice game where Mike scored the winning goal in the legendary upset against the Soviets. You know, Herb was a completely different type of guy. And I mean, I remember 
when those movies came out and so forth and the portrayals of him, they made him to be a pretty tough character. W- was he a strange guy like he's portrayed in there? And- <laughs> <laughs> he was, uh, you know what, that's how coaches coached in the 70s. Uh, my college hockey coach, my high school football coach, high school baseball coach, uh, high school hockey coach uh, were all demanding, you know, and they challenged you every day. And Herb was just like that. Herb, Herb demanded a lot out of you. And, and, you know, there were a lot of times we didn't like Herb, but there was never once a time where we didn't respect him. And I think that was the big thing we had. We had tremendous respect for him, and we we had tremendous trust in what he was doing. We believed in what he was doing. And when you when you trust your coach, you respect your coach, you don't care how demanding and hard he is because you know he's doing what's right for the team. Yeah, it sort of sounds like what Vince Lombardi had with the Packers, where to a man they all said, I hated the guy, but I loved him at the same time because, you know, when all those things are going on, you just can't stand him. But then at the end of the day, you think of how lucky you were to be coached by him. Yeah, I, I use the analogy a lot. You heard it was like your dad. You know, you, you, you love your dad, but sometimes you hate your dad because he makes you do things you don't want to do. And, and that was her. <laughs> he, he pushed us and pushed us. But, uh, you know, it was you know only two hours a day, an hour and a half practice. You know, it wasn't like we were living in the same house with him. So we, we had our escape. Well, what about Craig Patrick, the assistant coach? You need a guy kind of like that to offset that, right? So you, it, it becomes kind of a buffer, so, so you just not, you know, so you don't have a revolution. Craig, Craig was really important to our success. Um, you know, we needed that guy to go to and talk to. I don't think people realize how how important that assistant coach was in, in that locker room uh, on on road trips. Craig Craig was a was a big part because we and you said it. He was the buffer. He, he was the guy we we needed to. To kind of talk to and hit come in and hit laugh and hit smile and keep us loose uh, and yet understood that Herb was in charge. I think Herb gave him that role. I think that was the decision they were going to have. Herb was going to be the SOB and Craig was going to be the good guy. So it was a good cop, bad cop kind of scenario. And it worked. So this long period of time preparing for this is really interesting because people forget you guys played at Madison Square Garden and they beat you up pretty bad. Yeah, we lost 10-3 to three to him. Um, it was our last game right before the Olympic Games, and maybe it was a good game for us to play. You know, I look back at that game, and I, I mean, first of all, we were, we're nowhere near the same team that played the Soviets, you know, 12 days later or 10 days later. Uh, our mindset was different. Our confidence was different. And I think the game in Madison Square Garden, you know, for the first period, we just stood around and watched. I think we were losing 6 to nothing right away. So I think a lot of guys had one foot in the locker room and one foot in Lake Placid, so... Uh, you know, it was a game that we got trounced pretty good, but the other side of that coin was we never talked about that game again. It was never brought up. It was never discussed. It, uh, it was like like it never happened. Well, it had to be a little scary because this was a team that the Soviet Union that were beating NHL teams when they'd have these exhibitions and so forth. So you know these guys are really, really good at a world-class level, and, and yet you believed in each other, and... Was Brooks really concerned after this? Did, did he talk, or did he just take it as another game and move on? I think he took it as another game, and let's move on and go to Lake Placid and compete for the real deal, you know, the real tournament. So, uh, like I said, we we never talked about that game again. Uh, and yet, going in the Olympic Games, we never talked about the Soviets. The, the only time we talked about the Soviets was the night before when we were getting ready to play them. Uh, and then after we beat them, they were never discussed again. The next thing was we had to play Finland. So, you know, people remember one game, but, you know, I remember how important Sweden was, how important Czechoslovakia was, how important West Germany was. And 
clearly how important Finland was, because if we don't beat Finland, we don't win a gold medal, we might not win a medal. So who cares about the Soviet game if you don't win the whole thing? Exactly. Well, going into it then, how much did you guys really believe? I mean, were you thinking, gee, it'd be great to get a silver or a bronze? Or it was like, no, no, we're in this all the way. I, you know, Because people question that, and I, I got to think you believe you can win, but deep down was there this idea, hey, if we can just get to the medals, we'll be, we'll be happy? Well, you know, I think as an athlete, first of all, if you think you're going to lose, you probably will. And we went into that game, you know, we knew it was going to be difficult. We knew it was going to be hard. We knew we had to play well. Things had to fall into place the way they did. Uh, Jimmy played extremely well. We needed that to happen. Uh, the game pretty much went the way we, we needed it to go. If they scored five goals, we weren't scoring six. So I think our team defense and the way we played, especially the last ten minutes. So, so again, going into the game, you're nervous, you're anxious, you're curious, and in the back of your mind, you know, you know how difficult it's going to be. But like I said, if you think you're going to lose, you probably will. And uh, yeah. we went out there with the mindset, let's play the game and let's see what happens. And I'm just thinking of those games. First of all, the game with the Soviet Union, you had to feel once you got past that first period and like, okay, we're, we're in this and you got to feel stronger and stronger. And then your your goal was one of the great moments in, in hockey, uh, well, in, in all of U.S. Olympic history, because you could just feel then like, hey, this could happen. Well, the, yes, and I think there were big goals scored throughout the game. You know, Mark Johnson scored with no time left on the clock, one second left to go on the clock at the end of the first period. And we didn't play very well, but instead of being down 2-1, to one, we're tied 2-2. Two to two. Uh, and, and, and as you do when you play big games, you, you, you know, you, you don't play 60 minutes at once, you play, you know, five minute, ten minute shifts, and you know, you know, after five minutes, the game we're down a goal. After twenty minutes, we're tied. After after twenty five minutes, you know, we're down a goal. After thirty minutes, we're down only one. After you know, thirty five minutes, we're tied. So you know, you, you kind of played it in increments like that. And again, the, the game stayed the way we needed it to stay. They never got too far ahead of us, and we were able to, you know, challenge and bounce back and keep ourselves in the game. And then the next uh, day for the uh, gold medal, you got behind early, but uh, I, I imagine that by that point, the confidence level was so high that it's like, okay, this, this, let's just move on. We can do this. Well, you know, we were trailing, we were trailing Sweden. We were trailing Czechoslovakia. We were trailing Norway. We were trailing West Germany by two goals. We were trailing the Soviets, and now we were trailing Finland. So <laughs> uh, it, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, you know, a scenario that we hadn't had before. And I think the strength of our team was, and I think it was Robbie McClanahan that said it was, we outscored our opponents, I think 16 to three in the third period of the whole tournament. And that's, that's a great tribute to, to Herb and, and the conditioning and the speed of our team to, to be trailing and still be able to come back at a young age. You know, our team average was average age was only 21 and a half, 22 years old. Heck today, that would be the youngest team in college hockey. So, we had a lot of youth, but we had a lot of belief. You had a lot of toughness. Now, your own toughness, does this come back from when you were a kid, having to wear your sister Connie's white skates? and <laughs> You know, that almost reminds me of a boy named Sue. It's kind of a tough way, but you get tough. <laughs> well, I think you grow up in an environment, you know, which is a, you know, a, a working-class family. You do get tough. You, you have an inner strength. So, you know, as you said, in the house I lived in, there were... You know, there were 15 kids in the house, and, you know, we, we, we relied on each other. We depended on each other, you know, through, through very difficult times as, as children growing up. We didn't have any money, but we had a great love and, and support, and I think that makes you stronger. More with Olympic hero Mike Ruzioni in just a moment. 
Make sure to search for Sports R-A-C-X wherever you listen to podcasts. You are listening to Sports Rockin' Tours with Stephen Maggi nationwide on the Talk Media Network. And now, another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. The IMDb summary gives you an idea of the troubling territory that Monsters Ball inhabits. A racist prison guard re-examines his attitudes while falling in love with the African-American wife of the last prisoner he executed. Who would want to see that? You do. Uncompromisingly, the film introduces us to its characters as the despicable beings they are. True, terrible things happen to them. But we cannot help but know that the unpleasant nature of their lives has been brought upon them by their own attitudes and actions. And then, through the course of the film, we enter the lives of our protagonists. We learn where they have come from, and a fragile empathy emerges. This film works, despite all conventional wisdom, in no small part through masterful acting. Halle Berry, Heath Ledger, Billy Bob Thornton, and Peter Boyle all play understated one minute and chew the scenery the next, contributing masterfully. A viewer will also dearly appreciate the respect that the storytellers have for their audience. There is a moment toward the end where the film calls out for a Hollywood on-screen resolution of a conflict newly introduced. Here, however, the filmmakers allow the moment to fade without condescendingly feeding the audience its resolution. At that moment, Monster's Ball becomes perfect. Indie Film Minute. Not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Do you need to sell your home? If you've sold a home before, you remember how stressful and expensive it was. Sold.com is here to help you sell your home for the most money and with the least amount of stress. There are new ways to sell your home that you've never heard of before. Did you know there are companies who will offer you cash for your home? Did you know you could trade in your home for a new one? Did you know there are realtors who will sell your home for a flat fee instead of an expensive commission? It's true. Sold.com services are free. So if you're looking to sell, make this free phone call right now and learn how your next home sale can be faster and easier than you ever thought possible. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 800-948-6826-800-948-6826-800-948-6826. Again, that's 800-948-6826. When you go to Las Vegas, you have to know what you're going to go see, and there's no better place on the web to go than VitalVegas.com. You hear Scott Robin, our Vegas insider, every week. What are people going to find when they go to your site, Scott? Everything you need to know about Las Vegas from shows and restaurants and a lot of inside dirt that you won't hear anywhere else. And a lot of photos, too, and a lot of snark, right? That is the case. <laughs> yes. You can't miss it. VitalVegas.com. Know someone with a drinking or drug problem? Learn how to get sober after we share these stories. I was 35 with two beautiful children when my life and addiction started to spiral out of control. After my divorce, I went into a depression cycle and started drinking more often and using prescription drugs. After my second DWI and arrest, my ex-husband threatened to take our children away from me. I was 17 when I became addicted to heroin and meth. I thought I could quit on my own, but I couldn't. It hit me when I was arrested. Get sober now. Your private insurance may cover costs and we'll get you here. It's simple. Just call Elite Rehab Placement right now. 
please, don't wait. Your life matters to us. 800-213-9264 Call right now before it's too late. 800-213-9264 Welcome back to Sports Tours. Here again is Stephen Maggi. You are listening to Mike Ruzioni, who led his team on the ice on that Friday, February 22nd, 1980, in one of the greatest upsets in sports history, beating the USSR. When you went to college, you actually played against Herb Brooks, right? His uh, University of Minnesota team. Uh, what was that experience like? Because that was kind of like your first taste to him. Yeah, we, uh, well, that didn't go very well because we had a bench-clearing brawl with the, with the University of Minnesota in the semifinals of the national championship. And Herb, Herb didn't sit very well with the Boston University players. My first experience with him was not, was not a good one, but he, he made up for it later. Well, and then even trying to make the Olympic teams, people always wonder about that. And in those times, they were going to put together this great amateur team, which they did, obviously. But uh, how, how tough were those tryouts? And do you remember? I mean, I, I would imagine once you're in that thing, it's all focusing. Like, you want that real bad. Yeah, you know, I I went into the tryout with the hope and belief that I, you know, I could make the team. There was no guarantees. Herb didn't say you're definitely going to be on the team. I know, I know some players were, were were guaranteed they were going to be there. And clearly, you know, Mark Johnson was going to be there and a bunch of the other guys. But for someone like myself, I went in there with the you know mindset of if I play well, I'll make the team. If I don't play well, I'm not going to make the team. So again, I think you go in believing in yourself and the abilities and talents that you have. You want to showcase them to the coach, and I was able to do that. You had a chance. You could have gone into the NHL and tried to get into that whole thing, and uh, you decided to go for the Olympic team. If you had to make the same decision today, um, would you do that, even if you could have maybe gotten a career like Mark Johnson or Kim Murrow or some of those guys did afterwards? I wouldn't have traded that experience for anything. So, uh, you know, I, I went into the Olympics with the, with, with the thought and mindset of, of being an Olympian and representing my country. I didn't think of the NHL. I didn't even think about the NHL really after the Olympics. So that was an opportunity for me to do something special, and I was able to, to, to do that. Once this was over and you went back home and you realized that everybody was going crazy, you know, you said before that you guys just didn't know it. It had to feel good, right? I mean, regardless of how you felt about world politics or anything, it was just a really good time for the country. It needed kind of a boost at that time because uh, kind of the morale as a whole was down. And I guess it's got to be a wonderful feeling to know, hey, I did a little bit to pick up my country's spirits. Yeah, it was, uh, again, an incredibly proud moment for, 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 like I said, everybody, my teammates, myself. uh, You know, we didn't know that we would touch so many lives in such a positive way. And we found out, obviously, at that time, the country was looking for something to feel good about. And it happened to be us. It happened to be a, a group of kids who I think, you know, who, who, who what makes this country so great? You know, hardworking kids who, who believe in America and believe in values and believe in teamwork and believe in all the things that are so important in life. And I think people saw that. They, they saw in us the neighbor, the boy next door. You know, I think people related to our team and enjoyed the fact that we were that type of a team to kind of show the world that what makes this country so great is the work and the effort that people put into it. 
You know, when you guys got on the victory stand, too, there wasn't one person that said, oh, that's some sort of PR move or anything. I remember people felt the genuineness of this. Was that something you guys just decided to do, to all get up there together while the national anthem was playing? Yeah, what what it was was we, we did the, you know, after we beat Finland to win the gold medal, they told us the ceremony was going to be, each guy would come up to the podium, and then, Mike, you'd be the last guy, and you'll stand up there, and the anthem will be played, and, so I stood there while the anthem was being played, and my teammates were on the red line. And then when the anthem was over, uh, they were looking at me, and I was looking at them. It was like nobody told us what to do after. They were kind of walking towards me, and that's when I, I called everybody up, and uh, we all fit in that podium. Uh, I, I, the people still can't believe 20 of us fit in that little podium, but we did. <laughs> I, I don't know if we'd fit today, but I think we, 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 we did then. Uh, it was a fantastic moment. And finally, your book, The Making of a Miracle. I, I really recommend that everybody read it because I think as these type of things happen, we're basing them off movies, two well-made movies, but you kind of get into some of these details. And, and when you wrote this, wasn't the reason really so that way you could kind of share this with uh, your grandkids and that kind of thing yeah. so they'll understand that, it? That's that's the whole reason behind the book. Uh, Neil Baudet, who helped me you know, write it, uh, we talked about it, and I, I didn't want to write a book. And I went, you know, then you got to go to book signings. you got to do all that crazy stuff. And I went, now, you know what? Then I thought about it, and I, I wrote the book for one reason and one reason only. And I even told Neil this. I said, I don't care if people buy the book. You know, if they buy it, they buy it. I want my grandkids to know more about Papa's life, that my life wasn't one game or one goal or one moment. I, I wanted my grandkids and maybe someday their kids to, to realize who their great-grandparents were, uh, who their aunts and uncles were, who their cousins were. Uh, you know, again, I, I grew up in a, in a unique situation with so many family members that I, I want them to know about that. I want them to know uh, a, a little more about their their, their grandmother, like a great grandmother, uh, and what she was like. So, values and family are important to me, and that, and that's the that's the whole reason behind the book. And that's why I think the book is really different and and, and really enjoyable because a lot of us lived our lives at that time. I was young, like you, in, in the 1980s, in 1980, and I think back to that time, and I think we saw a little of us in you, but in particularly you, Mike, in the sense, you were the guy that just kind of um, represented the American kid out there playing, and, and it's just so good to kind of find out more about you besides just, wow, he was part of this great team, and I love it, and, and you know. Consequently, you also talk about your teammates and so forth. It's it's really an important way to preserve history. Yeah, I, I appreciate that, and, and again, that that was the basis of everything. Uh, the, the the book is is a, a little of my life. I, I I wish I had a few more stories in there about my dad, but they wanted a lot of Olympic stuff because when when, when my brother left read the book, he says you should have put this one in or that story, you know that story. I went, yeah, you're right. I wanted to, but. They didn't want to have too many stories about, I mean, my father was a character. He, he, he could have taken over the whole book, but I, I think I got across what I wanted to get across. Well, you know, talk for a second about your dad, because we know he's a very hard worker, and ultimately, he's the reason you became the type of person you became. I remember Jim Craig, and they were talking about with his dad at the time as well. What was special about your dad? What was it when you look back, you see as a character, what kind of drove you through him? Well, you saw you saw his incredible work ethic. When you you know you work three jobs, you you come home from work and then you you take a rest for an hour, then you go back to another job at night. Like I said, we didn't have a lot of money, but he always found ways to make ends meet. He he loved going to the racetrack. You know, I, we we always laughed when he came home and gave us money. We knew he won a lot of money, but 
my mother never knew how much he won. She, <laughs> she only knew she only knew how much he lost. But uh, he he was just a unique. He was a man's man. He he was a guy that you would sit down and and have a beer with, and when the conversation was over, you'd walk away saying, "Boy, that was fun." So he he, he had a uniqueness about him. He uh, people gravitated to him uh, immediately, and you know I I think that was you know part of the things that. I enjoyed, you know, as a kid, you know, when, when I'd walk in, I'd, I'd sit at the bar where my dad worked and they would say, you know, who, who's that kid at the end of the bar? And they'd say, that's Jeep's kid. That was my dad's nickname. And and people had tremendous respect for my father. And I think I saw that when you see that as a 10, 11, 12-year-old boy, the respect your dad has from people, I mean, that makes you feel good. It makes you feel proud and it makes you want to do things to please him. And like I said, my, you know, my mom stayed in the background. She just took care of the kids. I mean, they never went out to dinner. They never went on a vacation. They never went on an airplane. You know, here I am, married with three kids. I've been all over the country. I've been all over the world. I, I go, my wife and I go to dinner all the time. I take my kids out to dinner. Those are things I never had as a child, but yet we had a lot of love and support in that house, and uh, there was always food on the table. More with the captain of the 1980 gold medal-winning United States Olympic hockey team, Michael Ruzioni, in just a moment. Have your collectibles taken over your house? Well, maybe it's time for those treasures to find a new home, and I've got just the place to help you do that. The place to go is Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads, where they are always buying. Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads has over 35 years of experience buying collections of sports cards, memorabilia, bobbleheads, toys, action figures, comic books, Hot Wheels, Star Wars, movie posters, and more. If you've collected it, there's a good chance they'll buy it. No collections are too large or too small. Call Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads at 310-534-4180 or text them pictures of your collection. That number again is 310-534-4180. Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads, 310-534-4180. You are listening to Sports Rockin' Tours with Stephen Manchie, coast to coast on the Talk Media Network. What if every dollar you invested into your training program turned into $30 of revenue? What if your learning program was so engaging that your employees looked forward to annual trainings? And what if you could monitor the success and effectiveness of your curriculum with quantifiable metrics? Go to training.epsilonxr.com. E-learning has made each of these scenarios possible, utilizing tools such as virtual and augmented reality, simulations, and online instructor-led training provides a safe environment for employees to learn at their own pace. Go to training.epsilonxr.com. Here at Epsilon XR, we have 50 years of experience in creating powerful and effective training programs. We combine proven training methods with cutting-edge technology to create immersive training experiences. Are you ready to take your training program to the next level? Go to training.epsilonxr.com. Training.epsilonxr.com. If you're a diabetic, we have great news. You can end the painful finger sticks with a new CGM. Plus, they may be covered by Medicare, Medicaid, or private insurance. If you test and inject daily, you may qualify. Call U.S. Med now to learn more. 800-437-1424. 800-437-1424. 800-437-1424. That's 800-437-1424.
Holy gentle giants dog food Batman. I'm Burt Ward, Robin from the Batman TV series. I was the caped crusader and now I'm the canine crusader. After rescuing and feeding 15,500 dogs for 23 years, my wife and I created a natural, low-fat, heart-healthy, made-in-America dog food and special feeding and care program designed to help all dogs live amazingly longer, healthier, happier lives. Our dogs are living as long as 27 healthy, active years. Yours can too. That's twice their normal lifespan and triple for some breeds. Would you like your dog to live as long as 27 years and still be active and healthy? Gentle Giants Dog Food is complete nutrition for all dogs and puppies, all ages and sizes, and is different from other dog foods without the greasy coating and high fat content that can shorten your dog's life. Try our Gentle Giants life-enhancing dog food for the longer, healthier, happier life of your dog. Now you can get generic Viagra shipped to your door for about $2 a pill. Get the same impact for less. Call Steel Man Pills now and get the same blue pill for about $2 a pill. Call now for the 50-pill special and save even more. Plus, get a free bonus. 800-979-4317. 800-979-4317. That's 800-979-4317. Listening to Sports Rock'em Tours. Now, here again is Stephen Maggi. Welcome back to Sports Rock'em Tours. You are listening to Michael Ruzioni, author of the great book, The Making of a Miracle, The Untold Story of the Captain of the 1980 Gold Medal Winning U.S. Olympic Hockey Team. What a wonderful gift you're giving to your kids, too. I mean, there's just nothing like that. Uh, the security of having family around and everybody loving each other. What a wonderful thing. Yeah, it's fun, especially now with grandkids. I tell a funny story. My daughter has my daughter has three boys. They're seven, six, and five. And my son has a three-year-old boy. And, a, and finally, we had a, a one-year-old little girl. But my three daughter, my daughter's three boys skate at the rink in my hometown. They skate at the Mike Ruzioni Center. And they still don't know who Mike Ruzioni is. So that's kind of funny <laughs> around the house. When you came back from Lake Placid, uh, what kind of response did you get from your family? Because I imagine they were going oh, crazy. It was insane. It was absolutely insane. They had to block my street off from the, the police. <laughs> so many people wanted to come to the front of the house. And I remember when I came home after the Olympics, uh, I was standing on the porch on the second floor. We lived on the second floor. And there had to be hundreds of people out in front of my house. And they... They all were singing the you know, Star Spangled Banner, and then they started singing God Bless America. And I finally finally yelled down. I said, you know, look, at, I just got home. Uh, <laughs> I've got to go to New York tomorrow morning. Can, I, I appreciate you all coming out here. Uh, I love you all, and uh, you know, can you maybe leave now and give me some time with my family? And it was like I was the Pope, and all of a sudden everybody just kind of left. <laughs> and, and I went inside, and my cousins and mom and, and dad and everybody, we just you know, had a few beers and relaxed and just enjoyed the the moment because, uh, like I said, I had to get up the next morning and go to New York and then check for the next almost, seems like 40 years. It's been one whirlwind tour. You know, last question. It just strikes me, Mike, like 
it's kind of sad because we can't have that anymore simply because of the way we do the Olympics, that, that great amateur story of people coming together and so forth. Do you think that's kind of um, something we're going to miss? You know, I mean, it's great to have uh, these NHL stars play and so forth. It, 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 it does test the, who's the best in the world. But I don't know. I, th- I think we really miss a lot of great stories like this, and you just can't have it with all professionals. Yeah, I, I think you miss a little of it, but you still the joy of watching our athletes compete. You know, you, you put the jersey on that says USA across the front. It, it, it's a special honor, and I think today's athletes still take great pride in, in, in whether they're professionals or amateurs, great pride in representing their country. And, and, I, and I think, yeah, clearly we're in a different society than we were 40 years ago, and uh, life is different, especially now. But um, but I but I still think that you know that we take great pride and joy in watching our Olympians compete because they do represent us. The book is "The Making of a Miracle: The Untold Story of the Captain of the 1980 Gold Medal Winning U.S. Olympic Hockey Team." Mike Ruzioni, thanks so much. Best of luck to you. Thanks for having me, and be safe. We'd like to welcome a new regular now to the show. The segment is called Betting in Heels with Lady D, who brings a different perspective to the world of sports betting. Hey, it's my pleasure to introduce a new feature on Sports Rock and Tours, and it's just great. It's called Betting in Heels. It's right along with the person who runs bettingandheels.com. We call her Lady D, and she's a sports better and so forth that takes a different approach, and I really like it. So let's bring her in. Lady D, welcome. You're a believer in winning and profiting, but it's not a quick fix. You're not going to go out and make a trillion dollars in a day or two, right? Exactly. Some say that the marathon is not a sprint, so you are so correct on that. You know, a lot of things we see, we hear people say like, oh, hey, I get it right 80% of the time. Well, shouldn't people run? I get scared when I hear that because I know nobody's winning 80% of the time. If they're winning 80% all the time, they don't need to have subscribers. They can just make a, a living doing it themselves exclusively. That's what I think, too. I'm like, well, if you're making all these millions, why are you selling these packages for like 5000 for just high money lines? I'm like, no, that doesn't even work. Close to big betters, and I call them scammers because they don't basically, they're not transparent with their records in like Vegas Dave. I'm sorry, I'm going to just say it. I don't believe, to me, I think he's just a market genius, but he's not a sports brother genius. The bottom line is you can't do it that way every way, but that's a that's a whole marketing thing and so forth. What I appreciate about what you do at Betting and Heels is you take the conservative approach. You talk about people that claim they have the game of the week, the game of the year. you got to bet on this stuff. But like you say, that's the high favorite odds. You might be able to win, but you're not going to make a lot of money. You're looking at the low odds opportunities. Can you talk a little about that? What is the advantage of that, and how does that work overall at the end of the day where you're on the positive side of the ledger? As you say that, I'm very conservative. I only look at odds that are under 150. When I talk to my customers... My subscribers, I talk to them, do not parlay because I am not a big parlay person. I tell them to always bet straight up and bet what you can. Don't go and bet your mortgage on a game. I call myself a Costco um, better because I'm the type that I would bet a lot of games <laughs> that I see that are very profitable. Then my approach is try to profit. And I have been consistently like this. Yeah, my way is 
go with it. I don't believe in locks. There is no such thing as locks. You just go with the play. If you don't like it, if you don't feel like it, if you don't like it, don't take it. Well, this is really important because it goes right along with people that are regulars on the Vegas show have heard Michael Shackelford the Wizard of Odds, and he looks at everything just strictly from an odds standpoint. And that's what would appeal to me for the sports betting is simply these parlays and wild things like he says, the odds don't make uh, don't make it. It's like playing Keno, you know. And you can win, yeah. and it's great, and it's, if you want to do it for fun, that's fine. But if you want to do this, and at the end of the day, hope to make some money, you know, or not lose very much money, you, you're not going to want to take these wild bets because the, the odds are against you. The only thing I would probably do uh, parlay on is probably um, hockey and then um, MLB because mostly they have high lines with the favorites to win. Yeah, I'm not into props because I don't have the patience to sit down and read player stats. Well, you know, it's interesting. You were mentioning that you can do well with hockey and baseball. Is football a more difficult uh, sport to deal with simply because it, it seems like the people that set the lines, to me, are really good. It's hard to beat the lines in football. Exactly. For me, I have always been at least even in football and, and just um, NFL. I've managed to actually be in a top 10 in the pick'em, which you have to pick all the games against the spread, but it's hard for me to just pick four games. I'm not as focused on NFL. Well, let's talk about your favorite sport, hockey. I mean, that's where your love for sports started. I know you're a big Blackhawks fan and now the Coyotes because you live near that area uh, here in Vegas. (laughs) Uh, We're, of course, really ecstatic about the Golden Knights. But the one thing about hockey I wanted to ask you, betting that, I've always found that the home ice advantage isn't as great as the other sports with the home field advantage. It's just one of those things. How do you? What, why do you think you uh, do as well as you do in hockey? Is it because you really know the sport and consequently can really dig deeper than a lot of other uh, people in the business? Yes, that, exactly. I love the sport of hockey. That's where the beginning got me started to betting first. I, I, it goes a lot into manage in betting in hockey. Thank you, Lady D. We will check with you next week for your first tip. Time now for Sports Heroes with Mr. Big. Today's conversation is about one of the great leaders from the Pittsburgh Steelers dynasty teams of the 1970s. It's time for Sports Heroes. Here's a name that all football fans love. He kind of represents every man that always wanted to play in the NFL, Rocky Blyer. Tell us about Rocky. Rocky, he's a guy from Wisconsin. He's a badger. Makes him a man's man right there at the get-go. What makes Rocky a really cool individual is the fact that he served in Vietnam. He was drafted. He served. He could have probably gotten out of it. Somehow he used some sort of a deferment. After playing in the football one year, still just one year, he was drafted, he served. When he was in Vietnam, he was injured in an ambush. He hurt his leg severely. He was told he would never play football again. Yeah, don't tell somebody from Wisconsin what they can't do. You certainly don't tell a Steeler what they can't do when the coach sends them a letter saying, we need you on the team, son. You get back on that team. And you move heaven and earth to get back on that team. He may not have come back 100%. He was far from 100%, but he busted his ass for years to get back and be a stealer. And for the last 10 years, he was a damn good stealer. 
you know, all time, every day. Every day at Steeler, every day he played to win. On Wisconsin, on Rocky. Go get him, Tiger. Thank you, Mr. Big. See you next week. Follow us on all social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And thanks for listening. This is Stephen Maggi. Do you own an annuity, either fixed rate, indexed, or variable? Are you paying high fees and getting low returns? If so, Annuity General would like you to have this free book to learn the pitfalls and mistakes of buying an annuity. The Annuity Do's and Don'ts for Baby Boomers contains the little-known truths about annuities, like how to help reduce your fees and increase retirement income. And it's free. That's right, free. As a bonus, we'll also throw in a free annuity rate report just for calling. We researched over 1,000 annuities and summarized rates and benefits from financially strong insurers. You get annuity do's and don'ts for baby boomers and the annuity rate report, both absolutely free for calling Annuity General today. Hurry, supplies are limited. Call now. 800-653-8302. That's 800-653-8302. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Cynthia and Ed. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, out of the blue, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. And uh, she didn't know whether she should go forward or, or turn or just stay at the stop sign. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. She was very concerned. It was very unsettling for her. It's important for you to talk to someone about it, to bring the family in on it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, I don't want you to worry or be afraid. I'll be there for you and we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Do you own a timeshare? Well, face the facts. You made a mistake. You made a bad purchase. A timeshare is not an investment. It's a money pit that continues forever. If you use your timeshare, that's great. But if you don't and you want to legally get out of your contract, call my friends right now at the Timeshare Exit Hotline. They're an experienced team of lawyers who help good people like you get out of a timeshare contract that they just don't want. Don't throw away your money on maintenance fees. Use it for things you really want. We can help you end your timeshare contract and stop the money drain immediately. If you're ready to move on with your timeshare, call our team right now. Cancel your timeshare now with a free call. 800-824-5131 That's 800-824-5131 KSHP shows are now available on all of the major podcasting platforms like iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcast, Radiohead, and more. Simply search for KSHP on any of the major platforms and you can listen to past episodes of all your favorite KSHP programs, including Sports Rock and Tours.